the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, Chairman Mike Gallagher of the Select Committee on Engagement with the Chinese Communist Party joins me. Good morning, Congressman. I talked with Ro Khanna yesterday, your colleague, about a lot of things, but I did not cover your Washington Post article because I wasn't aware of it at the time I talked to Ro Khanna. Do the Democrats agree with you in the Washington Post article that we ought not to be funding with American dollars Chinese aircraft carriers? Some do. I mean, I think everyone can agree upon at least that aspect of it, that American dollars should not be funding the Chinese Communist Party's military buildup. And make no mistake, they're embarked on the largest sustained peacetime military buildup since World War II, potentially ever, uh, depending on how you define it. And we shouldn't be investing our money in Chinese aircraft carriers, fighter jets, artillery shells, advanced nuclear technology. But that's what's happening. We launched a bipartisan investigation into BlackRock and MSCI. My ranking member, Raja Krishnamurthy, has expressed a ton of concern about American dollars funding Chinese military buildup. Uh, and in many cases, this money is going to companies that have already been flagged on various government blacklists for posing national security risks. So what's crazy, Hugh, is that it's not illegal, but it is, it's suicidal. We're, we're subsidizing our own destruction. We're allowing pension funds, university endowments to invest in Chinese companies that are building things designed to kill Americans in a future conflict. So no matter where you draw the line for decoupling, let's say you just want transparency measures, as some Republicans do, you want sort of a broader set of restrictions on American money going to China, as I do, I think what's inarguable is that money shouldn't be funding military companies and technology companies like AI companies in China that are perfecting their genocidal surveillance state. Now, the Financial Times also ran a story this morning that Goldman Sachs has been taking Chinese money, laundering it in effect. It's not criminal, but they're hiding the origin of the money and they're buying U.S. companies. The opposite of what BlackRock is doing, which is sending American money to Chinese company. They're taking Chinese money and putting it into American companies. Do you want to stop that flow as well? Well, particularly if these are national security related companies, I saw that some of the investments were in the cyber space and in the supply chain space. I mean, it all depends on what type of control comes with the investment, but potentially that could give them access to information or, or effective control over companies. That would be bad for American national security. So I think it's definitely worth looking into. But the bottom line is Congress, we need to step up and legislate a fix to some of this stuff, whether it's on outbound capital flows which the Biden administration just released an executive order that's filled with loopholes. I mean, it's a step in the right direction, but it doesn't go far enough. We need to legislate that. When it comes to Chinese money being invested in American companies, we tried to fix CFIUS to get at some of that issue, but clearly it's not up to the task. So we need to legislate a fix to that. You know, here's the other thing, Hugh, that I find interesting when it comes to American investments in China. In addition to being morally reprehensible, 
the Chinese funds have been terrible investments. So over the last five years, the S&P 500 has soared to about 78%. But meanwhile, things like BlackRock's FXI ETF, which invests in these Chinese large cap companies, it's down 30% in that same period, even as Chinese GDP supposedly doubled. So that doesn't make sense. And a lot of the funds we looked at in our investigation similarly underperformed drastically. So where did the money go? Is it going into corrupt Communist Party coffers? I, I don't know. My only point is that beyond the national security concerns, uh, just as an investment uh, proposition, China looks bad and there are systemic risks to a continued investment in China that range from having your assets seized in the event they try and take over Taiwan or just the inherent risk involved in things like variable interest entities for which there are no shareholder protections. So part of what we're trying to do on the committee in a bipartisan fashion is to engage Wall Street in a dialogue about this because it just seems insane to me that we, we would continue to send our money to China where it's being used for nefarious purposes. Well, you know, Chairman, the investment bankers make their bonuses based upon the amount of money they move through. So they have every Adam Smith-driven incentive to just blow you off. Does your panel have subpoena power, by the way? We do. I would would grab Larry Fink. I would grab uh, Jamie Dimon, separate hearings, and I would put them down and say, let's talk about this because it's a national crisis. Let me ask you, by the way, uh, I think if I had a bell, I would have rung it when you said Sisyphus. I believe that violates the acronym rule, does it not? Ah, oh, you got me, Hugh. Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. I apologize. Uh, which no, no don't apologize. Just send $10 to Food for the Poor because that's it. It's $10 tip jar for Food for the Poor when you use an acronym. Now I want to talk to you about... increase the fine unilaterally. I did because you're a repeat offender. Like, you know that on the sentencing guidelines, people who do the same thing over and over again, they get fined more. Princeton people are particularly prone to this. And then when you pick up a PhD from Georgetown, you really become. And then you go to Marine. Did you ever go to the Command General Staff College or the War College or anything like that? No, I got out as a captain before I had to do all that, before my brain was corrupted. at the field. Well, they, they have many acronyms there. I, I'm listening to a bio of Eisenhower and I can't keep up. Let me ask you something, Chairman. Ro Khanna was on, and we were talking about artificial intelligence, and he said they're sitting down with the Speaker about what to do. I have no preconceived opinions, but I do think they might want to just add the Select Committee on Engagement with the Chinese Communist Party, comma, and artificial intelligence regulation, because you got a smart group of people. It's working. Would you be opposed to that if the Speaker and the, and the Minority Leader wanted to expand the jurisdiction of the committee to look at what we do about AI? Not at all. And we've actually, in our early investigations, had numerous conversations about AI, and I would expect those to be part of future policy reports. We release, I would note, Ro Khanna is my ranking member on the Innovation Subcommittee on Armed Services, and we see eye to eye on a lot of uh, things related to military innovation uh, going forward and have a very good working relationship. And he's willing, and I think him going on your show is a testament to this. One thing I really respect about Rose, he's willing to mix it up. Obviously, he's very progressive. We disagree on a lot of issues. I'm right. He's wrong. But um, I respect his intellect and, and his, his willingness to, to mix it up. Three quick ideas here on AI for small steps we can take in this Congress as we consider sort of the broader long-term implications. Well, related to what we were just talking about, American venture capitalists, American money in general shouldn't be allowed to invest in Chinese AI companies like Baidu. 
Okay, it just makes absolutely no sense. Again, we're subsidizing our own destruction. Two, when it comes to autonomous vehicle technology, which is going to be one of the most widespread deployments of AI in a way that really affects the American people over the next 10 years, uh, right now of the 10-ish companies that are allowed to test in America, at least three, I believe, are Chinese, but our companies are not allowed to test in, in China or expand really at all uh, in China. And that is a matter of reciprocity that's wrong. We shouldn't allow Chinese AV companies here in America. And then finally, the ethical guidelines uh, that the Pentagon has for the use of AI are a decent start. They're pretty good. I actually think we could build off those, expand those across the federal government with the goal of not suppressing innovation on AI or slowing down our efforts in this area, but also ensuring there are guardrails so that we don't have uncontrolled AI that does things that Americans are concerned about. And then you start to build out the concentric circle so we're on the same page with our allies. Start with our closest allies, the Brits and the Aussies, and then expand from there. And and particularly focus on uh, countries that have um, a unique technological capability in AI. If we do that, if we get sort of the overall ethical framework right, I actually think we can turbocharge innovation in this space and make sure that we win the AI race and the CCP does not win the AI race. Well, it is a national security issue, but I've got three suggestions for you and your colleagues. First of all, a stand down order to every regulatory agency out there, the FTC and everybody else. They have no idea what they're doing. They just don't. AI is new. It's not meant for old regulatory structures like the Interstate Commerce Commission trying to regulate airplanes. Doesn't work. Number two. Uh, you got to change the pay scale for technologists. Now, they used to have a special pay mm. ca- scale out at China Lake for the rocket scientists that we needed at China Lake and other advanced weaponry systems. We need a technologist pay scale that is just way better than we've got. it. We're going to lose every technologist that DARPA has. And then number three, and this is what I want to ask you about. We need visibility. I mean, walk-in rights to every room in Silicon Valley and every AI company in the United States. By walk-in rights, I mean... If a guy from DARPA shows up and they knock on the door at Meta and he says, show me to your AI lab, they don't get to lock the door. These are, it's like nuclear science. We can't let this stuff be developed in private. Do you agree with me? I agree with that. I guess the flip side of that, though, Hugh, is enough uh, research security such that, you know, a an MSS operative, a Ministry of State Security, think KGB in China, couldn't just walk in uh, to the same uh, facility or a United Front operative. And honestly, your, your reference to China Lake, I think, is a great instructive example here. Because when it comes to the things we put in our weapons systems, we have a very old suite of things called energetics, which make our weapons go and go boom. We develop more advanced energetics at China Lake. It's called CL20. It stands for China Lake 20. The Chinese stole that technology, and that's what they put in their weapon systems. And that's why their their rockets go farther than us and have greater destructive impact. So that's a lesson in how not to do things. And we remain too risk averse to use things like CL20, even though it's now old technology. It was developed uh, in the 80s. So a lot of examples that we can use from there uh, in order to apply it to the AI competition today. Now, I'm going to geek out the Office of Personnel Management, a.k.a. OPM, uh, so I don't get fined. OPM had a separate schedule for scientists at China Lake that was uh, policed by the deputy director I replaced, the deputy director at OPM. Uh, He was a scientist who had worked there, and he said, you know, no one's going to work for us unless we pay them. It was like double the highest number. Roe said yesterday, we got to pay them like we pay our doctors. No, no, no. We're not going to. This is the most lucrative field in the world. You got to give them a piece of the intellectual property. I mean, you really have to 
come to grips with the fact that technologists make the dollars. And I don't know that the American people really understand the difference between what the private sector pays a level one technologist and what the government will. We're going to lose everybody. Yeah. Well, you said you're reading an Eisenhower biography. There's also instructive examples from the post-Sputnik push on science and, and recruiting talent that Eisenhower uh, made in, in 1957, 1958. By the way, what, what Eisenhower book are you reading? Yeah. Gene Smith. Um, and yeah. it's Eisenhower wonderful. Eisenhower War and Peace. Yes. Yeah. And, and great, I learned, I didn't know anything about Fox Connor, General Fox Connor, or his three rules for war. Do you know his three rules for war? Do the Marines teach this sort of stuff? I don't, or remember, it... the, I don't remember the three. Okay. I want to play, I want to tell you what he said. He said, number one, never fight unless you have to. Number two, never fight alone. And number three, never fight for long. These are for rules with a democracy. What do you think of that? I like that. He was a wise man, Ike's mentor, and uh, a lot George to Marshall's from mentor. Connor, one of the forgotten heroes. Yeah, uh, and George, Ma- a, a guy who won World War II at one remove. But I wouldn't expect a Marine to know that. I know he's an Army guy. Chairman Gallagher, thank you so much for your time and a great Washington Post op-ed. I'll be right back. Uh, Generalissimo, are you around? Did you come in today? If- no, I'm not here. You're not here. Okay. Um, Area 51. What's at Area 51? Uh, that would be the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant at the, that's what I thought. The, I just the end to... scene of, uh, Raiders. Yeah. So that's area 51 and Generalissimo is a uh, woke Dwayne. So he won't really tell you what's there, but woke Dwayne is skinny Dwayne as well because of my PhD weight loss.com. Uh, did you ever go to a Tom Rush concert? I never went to a Tom Rush concert. No, that, that I, I did see actually... Jackson Brown and Jackson Brown and Tom Rush were kind of connected. Were they? Oh, yeah. Now, look, I never played for those two guys together. Uh, that much is certain. I, I, I never did. Uh, you're absolutely right. So you I do not did. believe you actually, I don't know that there's a connection there. Because I never was on my axe behind those two guys. Tom Rush was, you, you're absolutely correct on that. I couldn't agree with you more that you weren't. Why is Harley laughing instead of playing Oh, I have Indian no idea Lake? why Harley's laughing. Harley laughs at a lot of things. Yeah, I he do. sure does. MyPhDWeightLoss.com. You lost 50 pounds and I you did. gained five back. Uh, uh, it's flexible. Are you back over the line again? No. 864-644-1900. That's 864-644-1900. Uh, and I'm joined now by Governor Yunkin. Good morning, Governor. Uh, welcome. It's good to talk to you. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Our, our prayers uh, were lifting up today for everybody in Florida. Yeah, I know. You know, Governor DeSantis knows what he's doing as you've dealt with disaster. So I'm confident about that. But I like the Salvation Army when it comes to making donations. Hey, Governor, uh, did you do the deal with the legislature on the budget yet? Yeah, we're, we're, we're really close. I haven't seen the final details uh, on all elements. But big picture, we, we've uh, got a billion dollars of tax relief. That's on top of Four billion last year. That brings us to five billion dollars of tax relief in in 19 months, and uh, we're continuing to see a really strong economy support, or at least job growth in Virginia support that, uh, which is great. Um, we're going to continue to invest in education and in law enforcement and behavioral health. I'm particularly encouraged uh, by the bipartisan effort to come together on on trying to trying to bridge this learning learning loss gap that was driven by schools being closed for far too long and. Virginia kids are still suffering. And so we've got real work to do there. I just haven't seen the final details yet, Hugh. I'm looking forward to seeing those here shortly and uh, bringing everybody together next week to, to take a vote. Could you do more 
if you had a Republican state Senate as well as a Republican assembly? Yeah, you bet. And that's why these elections this fall are so important. I think they're the biggest elections in America because we can show that a state that was completely controlled by Democrats just 24 months ago uh, has changed direction completely and chosen uh, statewide Republican leaders and a House and a Senate. So while we've got our House today, our Senate and House are both up here this fall. I want to hold the House and flip the Senate, and then we can really accelerate. And these petty fights over tax cuts and delays and bringing, bringing relief to Virginians, which could have been done back in January and February, and now we're here in August and September, is, is unfair. It's unfair for Virginians to have to wait. We could get to work and, and do much more. And I think Virginians deserve that, and I'm looking forward to the elections this fall to demonstrate that. Now, I want to talk about secure your vote, but first, uh, I was just telling people, Tennessee has no income tax. Virginia's at 5.5%. That's a significant disadvantage. Now, you're advantaged over Maryland, so the people who live in the Beltway are going to want to live in Virginia and D.C., but if you're down in Bristol and you can live on either side of the street, I think it's the most illustrative city in America because you're going to move across the street into Tennessee and not pay any income tax. Can you lower the income tax if you get the majority? Well, that would that would be absolutely part of our overall agenda, which is to use reductions in income tax in order to fuel higher employment and therefore higher receipts for the government. And then we can lower taxes again. It is it is a reinforcing virtuous cycle. And that's what, of course, states that have been lowering taxes are demonstrated. And and that's that's one of the primary reasons I stepped up to run, which was to not only stand up for parents and law enforcement, but to bring down the cost of living in Virginia so we can compete. You know, you, one of the most amazing facts is that that uh, while we brought $5 billion of tax relief to Virginians, we still are at a tax disadvantage relative to states. But we're seeing people finally stop moving away from Virginia faster than they're moving here from the other 49 states. And all the early data suggests that for the first time in nine years, we will see net inflow into the Commonwealth. This is hugely important because you can't shrink your way to success. And I think Republican-run states are demonstrating this over and over and over again is the most basic decision someone's going to make is where am I going to live? Where am I going to bet my future? And I want them to bet it on Virginia. And that's why we are working to bring down the cost of living, reduce, reduce tax burden, streamline regulations, create jobs, stand up for parents and schools and reestablish expectations of excellence. And back the blue so that our neighborhoods are safe. It's a, it's a very straightforward, common sense, conservative formula. It works. That's why I want people to go. If they're a Commonwealth voter or they know a Commonwealth voter, go to secureyourvote.com. I hope I've got that right, Governor. I am a Virginian. I normally vote early in person because then I get to meet the First Lady of Virginia who works the polls. You know, she was out there when I voted for you. It was very surprising. But secureyourvote.com. Tell us about this, Governor. Yeah, so it, she would secure your vote, Virginia.com. So don't forget oh. the Virginia. And it's, it is an incredibly important effort to, to make, to create a pathway for all Virginians to come vote early. I mean, I'm tired of Republicans standing on the sidelines and missing. And so we have to get, we have to get turnout. But on top of that, we need to make it easy. And so we have 45 days of early voting. You can, you can make a plan to vote early. You can secure an absentee ballot. Tired of going into elections down thousands of votes on election day. And so we're going to get folks out. Uh, we've had a great effort so far. Lots of people have signed up to vote early. And I encourage everyone to go to secureyourvotevirginia.com, make a plan to vote early, and let's win this fall in these most important elections. Now, uh, is it Virginia spelled out the whole way or is it VA, Governor? Spelled out the whole way. Okay, Virginia. I will go 
I will go check that. Now, will you tell us about the model policies? And something you said to Eric Erickson stuck with me, which is that if people, if school districts do not adopt these, they are open to personal liability. And I, I love that point because it drives home that you got some outliers in, in a various number of counties up there that will not do the right thing, which is empower parents. What are the model rules and what kind of protection does it provide to school boards and administrators? Well, the model policies uh, first start to first start with ensuring every child and every parent's privacy and dignity and respect. And it is they're founded on the basic principle that children belong to parents, not to the state. And therefore, every major decision in a child's life needs to be made by a parent with that child, not by a bureaucrat, not by a politician. Doesn't mean that they're not trusted people around the table, but a parent has the head seat at the table. On top of that, let's be clear, boys should, biological boys should play sports with biological boys, not with girls. Yesterday, the, the White House said that this, this was a complicated issue. This is a common sense issue. And the progressive left has consistently gotten this wrong. Biological boys should play sports with biological boys, not with girls. And so we, we, our model policies are, are, have been issued. The law is very clear that local jurisdictions have to adopt policies consistent with the model policies. Our attorney general, Jason Miares, uh, came out last week and made it very clear that they do not have a choice. And now they are really exposing themselves to substantial liability, both as both as a jurisdiction and personally. Now, this is the law. Let's get on with it and stop ch- trying to act like we can choose which laws we can we can abide by and which ones we can't. This is the fund. This is at the fundamental heart of why progressive progressive prosecutors uh, are are at the at the heart of why law enforcement uh, has no faith in them anymore. Prosecute the law and let's make sure that we abide by it. And in this case, school boards need to do that immediately. Now, Governor, one of the things your election did is it clarified things in Virginia because Virginia's Democrats nominated hard left people in these state Senate seats. They 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 rejected their center left people. They went way to the left. Is that mattering in the elections that are forthcoming? Yeah, I think I think in a huge way, because that's exactly what happened. We, we saw we saw Democrats who had been constructive with Republicans in our split General Assembly rejected by the liberal left and replaced with these progressive candidates. And as as we've seen across the Commonwealth over the last now 20 months, uh, Virginians are coming together, not just Republicans, but Virginians, and rejecting the progressive left ideology so that Virginia can, in fact, reestablish itself as a leader. And this is what's happening. And we're seeing it translate into policies that Virginians appreciate and support. And I think we're going to see it at the polls uh, this fall. Uh, we have great candidates. Um, we ran the table on in our nominating process on great candidates for Republicans. Uh, we're executing the game plan. We're making sure people understand that we're going to continue the very successful policies that we initiated over the last 19 months. And we're watching Virginia soar as a result. And that's why I am so excited about putting our record on the ballot with great candidates this fall. And I'll go back. We just need to get everyone to vote. Go to secureyourvotevirginia.com. Make a plan to vote early. We're going we're gonna to finish. We're going to finish the hard work that we started in 2021 and demonstrate that a state that was truly blue, completely controlled by Democrats in a short 24 months with common sense conservative policies can, in fact, fundamentally turn around, bring people together around those policies and march forward in an accelerated pace. 
SecureYourVoteVirginia.com. Thank you, Governor Yunkin. Keep coming back, and uh, good luck to the Commonwealth electing a Republican majority in the Senate. I'll be down to vote early, as will the Fetching Mr. Hewitt soon. SecureYourVoteVirginia.com. Thank you, Governor Yunkin. Stay tuned, America. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.